Welcome to another pro volleyball recap episode of the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. My name is Dan, and as usual, I'll be taking you around the world, going over the big news, the big storylines, the big events from this week and weekend in pro volleyball. So we got a decent amount of news to get to this week. You know, it's playoff time. It's busy. We got a lot of playoffs going on, but we've also got a lot of transfer news and stuff going on. Just a busy time in the volleyball world, basically, and will be for the next month or two. I would say the biggest news to come out in the volleyball world over the last week is that Canadian setter TJ Sanders, one of my personal favorite players, has decided to sign in Bedzin from the Plus Liga. And this was a bit surprising to me personally because Bedzin barely avoided relegation this season from the Plus Liga coming in last place. The only reason why they weren't sent down to the second Polish league is because uh, the whole situation with Szczesin and how they folded midway through the season. Of course, you fold midway through the season. You're not going to be allowed back in the league. But Bedzin staying and it seems like they're going to start uh, signing some good players. They got a new sponsor. TJ Sanders is a huge addition to start off with. One of the best setters in the world, in my opinion. Took the last year off because of some kind of really nagging back injury issues that have been bothering him for a while. We saw that he played in the Nations League last summer, but then he missed the World Championships. Much to the disappointment of Canadian volleyball fans, he would have been a massive improvement on the squad that we sent. So he took the entire year off, was supposed to play in Turkey. So I guess he's back to back to normal this year. Hopefully we'll get to see him play a bunch this summer. Hopefully Bedzin gives him some better hitters to work with than Buchowski and Jake Langlois. Another transfer news is Taylor Sander, who's been absolutely killing it for Sada Cruzeiro uh, this season. Probably the best player in the Brazilian league. I would say almost definitely the best player in the Brazilian league this season. And he's going to Russia for next season. We've seen a lot of Americans go to Russia over the years, including guys this year we have Matt Anderson and Eric Shoji over there. Clayton Stanley and Loy Ball spent quite a bit of time in Russia. And of course, Maxwell Holt, who currently plays on Modena, spent three seasons with Dynamo Moscow, the team that Taylor Sander is going to. I think this will be a huge addition to Dynamo Moscow. They've had a pretty good season, not amazing, but you can see, especially on the wings, on the outsides, they haven't really been able to compete with the top teams in the Russian league. So I think if they add someone like Taylor Sander, who's going to provide elite passing and elite offense, I think they're going to put themselves in a much better position to compete with the top teams in Russia next year, especially as Zenit Kazan might be experiencing some tumultuous times with um, Rat Anderson rumored to leave to Italy. Mikhail Kubiak signed for another two years in Japan. I hope he's getting paid really well there because the level of competition is not really up to his standards. I wish he would go back to playing in more competitive leagues, but I guess, you know, it's totally his choice. If he likes playing over there, it's probably a little easier on the body. Get paid a lot, get to eat sushi every day. So it'll be a nice for him to experience, but we won't see him in a more competitive league for what it's likely to be close, getting too close to the end of his prime, unfortunately, because he's a really fun player to watch, kind of similar to Taylor Sander, kind of undersized outside. That's really tricky, really powerful, and a really good defensive player. Alexei Verbov, the Russian libero, the legendary Russian libero, will be retiring after this season, even though liberos do decide to retire later than most other positions at 37, you know. It's probably just about time to hang up the sneakers. The only thing is he was still playing at an absolutely elite level on my top 10 liberos video on YouTube that I put up 
in the fall, I had Verbov in my top five, and I don't think he's decreased much since then. So it's going to be tough for the Russian national team in Zenikazan to lose Verbov because he was still providing a lot of elite passing and defense for them, and he almost looked to be getting better in some aspects as he aged. So that's going to be painful for the Russian national team and Zenikazan, especially considering that the guys who might replace them are not even close to the level of Verbov. Well, it'll be interesting to see who the Russian national team and Zenikazan decide to go with because, you know, in all likelihood, it might actually be the same player considering Zenikazan tends to get the best Russian guys. We'll see how that shakes up this summer, but Verbov, legendary, absolutely legendary playing career. Uh, I wish him all the best in his retirement, and I believe he's rumored to be helping coach the Russian national B team. So it's very likely that's not the last we're seeing of Alexei Verbov as he continues his career into coaching. There was a snow volleyball event. I believe they're touting it as the first official snow volleyball event hosted by the FIVB last week. And I decided, of course, you know, got to check out a few of the games. They're all on YouTube. If you want to check them out yourself, I assume if you type in snow volleyball on YouTube, it'll be some of the first few responses. But I have to say it wasn't the greatest viewing experience. It's definitely a novelty factor was really big. It was kind of cool to see the guys outside playing in cleats, playing with their gloves, playing threes. So yeah, I'll give you a quick breakdown of the rule. If you don't know, snow volleyball played three on three in the snow, obviously. So it's very cold out. So the players are generally wearing leggings and full long sleeve gear. And also most of the players were playing gloves as well, which obviously significantly changes how you impact the ball. I'm not sure if the ball is different or not. It was kind of hard to tell, but it would definitely seem to be pretty close to a beach ball and kind of how it, how people handled it and how the trajectory of the ball went. The rules seem to be similar to beach volleyball in terms of the lifting calls and the block touches and things like that. And obviously three on three, not seen in beach, but is commonly seen when playing on the grass. So the blocking strategies were kind of similar to that if you are familiar with grass volleyball. Overall, it was definitely cool to check out. I would recommend watching it if you're at all interested in it, but I couldn't really even make it through a full match. It's a lot slower than even beach volleyball, which personally I, I find quite slow. The players really struggle to move around in the snow. Players were missing, missing jump serves like almost every time. The serve the serving wasn't quite as aggressive. A lot more mistakes just because playing in the snow is a lot harder and obviously the players aren't used to it yet. So it was a bit sloppy, a bit slow, not not my favorite thing to watch. Definitely want to try playing it, though. It looks really fun, at least to try out. But, you know, one of the biggest appeals to beach volleyball for me, especially as a Canadian that spends way too much time in the winter already, is like the beach and the sun and just the more relaxed and outdoor nature of it, which I'm not sure if you fully get with snow volleyball. Okay, so that's it for news. You know, the signings are starting to happen, a couple of big ones going down this week and I'm sure we'll continue to have even bigger signings going forward because there's still a lot of players whose futures are inserted going into next season which makes sense you know the summer hasn't really even started yet so as more teams finish up their regular season and playoffs I'm sure we'll start, start to hear a lot more signings going on so as I'm sure most of you are aware there's a lot of playoff volleyball going down and pretty much every single league across the world. So I'm just gonna go quickly through the major four leagues and let you guys know who won. So first up in Italy, we had Trentino beating Padova, Lube Civitanova beating Verona. That was a tight game. 
Mube barely beating Verona 3-2. We had Perugia beating Monza. And lastly, but not least, we had Modena beating Milano. And then in Poland, Zestrebsi Vigil taking down Skra and limiting them from the playoffs. And then we had Zavrici and Radom each taking one game in that series. So they will be playing a deciding match on Saturday. In Brazil, we are on to the semifinals. They're a bit ahead of the other leagues. And the big four teams made the semifinals in Brazil. Sada Cruzeiro will be playing Tabate, who really struggled actually to make it through to this round. They barely made it. And then Cezzi Sao Paulo is playing. Cezzi Rio de Janeiro should be a really fun and tight matchup. And in Russia, Zenit St. Petersburg and Zenit Kazan won the first game of their quarterfinal series, while Kemerovo and Moscow are still yet to play. All right, so now those scores are out of the way. Let's go on to our winners, losers, and performance of the week. My first nominee for winner of the week, as you might be able to guess, is Jastrzebshi Vigil, who sent Scraw packing. Scraw eliminated. I'll talk more about them later. But well done to Jastrzebshi Vigil. They definitely pulled a tough matchup in the first round, playing a Scraw team that was looking a little healthier. They were looking like they were finally playing with a full roster and getting their mojo back, ready to make a move. But Julian Liniel, Lucas Campa, Christian Fromm, all those guys, you know, they were actually playing really well. That team has struggled for everyone to play well at the same time throughout the season. Usually it's just been the Julian Liniel show, but there were some great plays from all of them, especially I thought Christian Fromm looked a lot better. And great job getting the win, moving on to the second of three rounds. So I guess technically the next round is the semis. Another winner of the week was Bedzin. Already discussed him with the TJ Sanders move, but signing a player like TJ Sanders just signifies that you have the money to sign a lot of good players. There's no point in having TJ Sanders running your offense if you don't have some plans to sign good players around him, especially good opposite and at least one good hitting outside. So, and especially with TJ Sanders actually, you probably want some good middles too because as I've discussed before, he's probably one of the best setters in the world at finding those middles. If you haven't seen him set middle before, I'd highly recommend you watch some Team Canada volleyball this summer because he's it's so fun to watch him just find the middles from pretty much anywhere on the court. I guess Bedzin's a bit of a lucky winner too because I'm sure they wouldn't have found the same sponsor if they had been relegated, if Sechishin hadn't been eliminated from the league. So we'll see. Hopefully this new sponsor actually stays with them and doesn't pull out in the middle of the league after they sign guys like Kirek and Nick Hogue and Zilgaldo and those guys. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen. But my ultimate winner of the week is Modena, who hasn't really had a lot of cause for celebration throughout this season. They've had a lot of tough breaks with Christensen getting injured, having to call in Kevin Tilly because they just needed so much more help, and just Julio Velasco making degrading comments to the media. But Modena, with an easy win, over Milano, the three-zip victory. Milano still without outside hitter Stephen Marr. I was kind of wondering during the game what was going on. Why is Clement Sebule was just not playing well at all? And I was thinking, well, Gardini, you got to bring in Marr. What's going on? But turns out Marr is definitely still not 100%. He got in for a bit of the second set, but clearly did not look himself. Hopefully, Milano going back home will have access to Marr. Hopefully, Ricardo Spertoli and Amir Abdelaziz play a bit better because if you listen to my last podcast, you could tell I, I was very, very excited about this series. Mode and Milano had played each other so close throughout the season. Milano almost getting that four seed. 
the whole thing was going to be really tight. It was going to be really exciting. It was going to be the best first round matchup, but definitely did not live up to that in the first game. So I'm just hoping Milano can make it a competitive series. I don't I don't really care who wins. I'm, ha- I'm fine if Modena wins. I just want the series to live up to what I thought it would be. Now for our losers of the week, my first nomination is Javad Manavi, the Iranian outside hitter who plays on Verona. Great player usually, seems like a great guy, but in this particular game against Lube Civitanova, as I, as I mentioned earlier, it was a really tight game. Went to a fifth set, Matej Kaziski, with some clutch aces in that fifth set to get Verona chances to win the game. Javad Manavi with a lot of mistakes in that fifth set, including a crucial ball. Verona was up 15-14. Match point potential for Verona just sends it straight into a big triple block for Lube. Yes, it was a big triple block. Yes, it's tough to score on that. But then on the next point, Lucas Spirito gets him a couple of single block situations, isn't able to convert on either, and just made a lot of mistakes overall in that set. Missed a lot of chances to end the set and get Verona what would be a big upset win over Lubic Ivitanova, but couldn't quite get the job done. And part of me thinks that if Matej Kaziski was in the front court instead of Javad Manavi in those rotations, then Verona definitely would have won. It's always tough. I don't like to rip on individual players this much, but I don't know. The rest of Verona played so well that it's tough not to find fault with one player when they only hit 10 for 27, get blocked five times, only pass 6%. Perfect passing. My other nomination is the Italian newspaper La Gazzetta della Sport. Every year, this newspaper gives out the MVP award to a player in the Italian Super League who had the best season to me. The winner this year was incredibly obvious, Wilfredo Leon, with arguably one of the most dominating Super League seasons we've ever seen in the history of the league. Thought it'd be a no-brainer. And yes, he technically did win the award. However, for the first time in its history, this award was split between two players, Wilfredo Leon, but also Uroš Kovacevic. So this is nothing against Kovacevic. He's a fantastic player. Had an absolutely unreal season, was a huge part of Trentino's success, and really improved upon himself last year when he may have had a bit of a down year. However, when a player plays like Wilfredo Leon, absolutely smashes the ace record, hits it 60%, is better than Kovacevic in almost every single statistical category, I just don't see the reasoning behind giving the award to Kovacevic over Leon, or even sharing it. I just think... You know, everyone knows how good of a Kovacevic was. You don't need to degrade the value of the award just because you think he deserves it as well. It's not like there was a voting situation where there was an exact tie, or if there was an internal voting situation, shame on whoever voted for Uroš Kovacevic over Wilfredo Leon. I think it kind of dampens and doesn't realize how absolutely ridiculously fantastic Leon is. I went over it in earlier episodes talking about how unusually incredible his ace record is. I think it's okay to acknowledge that Uroš Kovacevic is amazing. Probably would have even won it in some other seasons, but we are just witnessing a player who is completely on another level, and I think making him split the award with Kovacevic kind of devalues his accomplishments. Not that it matters that much. This is kind of nitpicky, but just something that annoys me about awards sometimes. But my ultimate loser of the weekend, a team that's kind of been in both categories of winners and losers throughout this season, and that's Skra Belchatov getting eliminated in two straight games by Shostrebshi Vigil. 
the first game of the series, which are two out of three, if you don't watch Polish volleyball, it's actually pretty tight. Went to five sets. Szczepcie Vigil won the first two, 25-22, 25-20. Then a great fight and comeback shown by Scraw, winning the next two, 29-27, and then 25-21. But then eventually losing to JW, 15-11 in the fifth set. And they had their chances too. Renee Tapan at the serving line at 13-11. Gets a pretty good serve. They get the dig. Have a chance to make a break point. Make this game really close. Marius Vlasli just sends it way out of bounds cross court. So a lot of errors from Skra Belchatov in this game. And especially it's tough to watch Marius Vlasli right now. He's not the absolute superstar that we've known him as in the past. It looks like Age has finally decided to catch up to him a bit, jumping like 45 inches in the air at 6'4". He's finally started to catch up to them. It's unfortunate. He's a Skra legend. He's a Polish legend. So it's really uncomfortable to see him not really be able to make the plays he's usually able to. However, things got real ugly in the second game of the series, and that's mainly why they're my loser of the week. 25-20, 25-15, and 25-21 for Szczepci. Really not a fun game to watch, especially if you're a Scraw fan. And it was really all about Scraw making mistakes. They just look mentally broken in that game. 18 service errors, 5 attacking errors, and 10 times getting blocked for Belchatov doesn't really contribute to a winning effort. And Mary Shalajli actually got subbed out in the third set for Rene Tapan, who actually hit 3 for 3. So, you know, maybe maybe they should have stuck with that since the beginning of the game. But yeah, just kind of ugly for Scraw. Just Shrepshu Vigil, don't want to take anything away from them. They played really good volleyball. Christian Fromm, as I mentioned earlier, is doing a lot better. Konarski is, you know, he's not playing terrible, which is uh, all you can ask for with Konarski, given the way his season has gone for the most part. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Shrepshu Vigil in the next round. We still got Savrici versus Radom happening this weekend to see who else from that side of the bracket makes it through. You know, Scraw is still in the Champions League playing tomorrow, by the way, so they still have a lot of important volleyball left. Seems to be the theme of the Plus Liga Champions League relationship this year, though, where, like, remember Gdansk came in, like, ninth or 10th in the Plus Liga, made the Champions League quarterfinals, almost took down Zanet Kazan. Belchatov, same thing, loses in the first round of the Plus Liga playoffs. Still kicking in the Champions League semifinals. Can you imagine if Scraw beats Luigi Vitanova tomorrow? Oh my god, that would be so much fun. I hope they do it. Anyway, let's go on to our best performances of the week. And first up, we have Ivan Zaitsev against Milano with 12 for 19 hitting, 63%. Four blocks for a total of 16 points. So you can see that Zaitsev has not been playing as well recently. As soon as Michael Christensen comes back, he's right back at it. Shows you the difference between a below-average national team setter and one of the best setters in the world in Michael Christensen. Zaitsev looked really good this game, and even though he didn't get any aces, he had a couple of key serving runs that uh, put Milano on their toes. His blocking was huge. The outsides for Milano could not find a way through him, especially he really got on Clemens. Sebule's nerves helped out a lot with the back row attack, made a couple of key blocks on pipe attack. So great game overall for Zaitsev. And as I said earlier, I hope Milano can make a series of this, but if Zaitsev is playing like this, could be a little tough. Still in Italy, Yoandri Leal played an awesome game for Luigi Vitanova, getting the MVP for that match. 
28 points with 25 of 42 attacking, three blocks, and only in 19% passing, which for Liao, I put that as a positive because he's usually oftentimes in the single digits, really struggles with his passing. But if he's passing okay and Belasso and Juan Terrain are passing okay, what's, what's the weakness of this Lube team? I mean, maybe not trying for two sets, but, you know, he can't help that. So Liao, great attacking performance. Bruno seemed really comfortable finding him. A lot of times, the Liao attacks, nobody was even close to digging the ball. The block wasn't even close to blocking the ball. When Liao looks good, he looks really good. But of course, we all know, we might follow this up with a game where he hits like 10 for 29 or something. So, But hopefully he can continue the great performance because it's great to see a player like this play so well. But the best performance of the week, in my opinion, didn't win it last week. I'm pretty sure I gave him this award the week before, but that's your Grosier with 36 points for Zenit St. Petersburg and their win against Novosibrisk. 34 for 50 hitting, so real nice efficiency too, almost 70% there. And two blocks to go with the performance and, and also one ace. We've seen the last, as the season goes on, Zenit St. Petersburg just seems to be funneling more and more of their offense through Grosier, and I think we're seeing like the end result of that. Where I think he set a record for them with most points in a set a few weeks ago. 36 points, you rarely see a point total that high. And this is in a four-set performance too. Absolutely ridiculous from Grozer. He is a scoring machine. He looks like the Grozer that we knew all those years ago, just ripping it up for Team Germany. And I don't know, if he's playing like this, Zenikazan might be starting to get worried because Grozer scoring 34 kills on 50 attempts. That's insane. Absolutely ridiculous. We've seen him jumping really well. Just an absolute physical freak. Might need to tune into some Zenit St. Petersburg games. I posted this one ridiculous clip on my Instagram at 51VB the other week where I'm not sure if he's always had this move, but he's basically attacking on the right side and does just a no-look bounce hit down the line. But the fun part is he doesn't even look at the ball as he's hitting. Usually hitters have a bit of the tell when they do that, especially on the right side, but Grosier, nope. That doesn't even look at the ball after he bounces it. Doesn't even check to see if anyone's dug it. So he, he's playing with some swag right now. Coming up this weekend, we have lots of volleyball going on. Just I don't even know if I need to go over the individual schedules because it's basically playoffs in the first round of the quarterfinals for every league, I guess. Except for Poland, who only has one match going on. All the rest of the leagues have multiple, multiple matches going on. So if you're wondering where to watch those matches, you can head over on over to 51vb.com. And I believe the first post I have stickied is where to watch pro volleyball in 2019, and that should give you a good idea of the types of sites you need to be going on to in order to watch these volleyball games and how to do it, what VPNs you use, yada, yada, yada. And if you have any questions individually, I do get a lot of uh, questions on my Instagram and email and stuff asking where to watch these games, and I'm always happy to answer any questions you might have. Almost done editing a YouTube video, haven't, haven't done any YouTube for a while, so I'm happy to be getting that out on the best players of the Polish Plus Liga in the 2018-2019 season. So check out YouTube in the next couple days to check out my analysis with some video support. And I hope you guys have a great rest of the week, great weekend. I think I'm going to do a mailbag on Thursday this week. So if you want me to answer your question on the podcast, you can ask me that on my Instagram at 51VB. Check out my story. Tomorrow we have some great Champions League matchups mentioned earlier between Skra Belshatov and Lube Civitanova and the big one, Perugia versus Zenikazan. 
a rematch of last year's Champions League semifinals. We all know how that one went with Santa Kazan stomping at him. So I'm, I'm thinking Perugia and Wilfredo Leon might have a little something to say about that. There's been a bit of trash talking on Instagram. So I'm excited for that series, excited to watch the games. Head on over to Eurovolley.tv if you want to see that matchup happening. And that's going to be it from me today. So thanks for listening. And remember, subscribe and tell your friends. Bye.